What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values. How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs 28, 20. Hi, I'm Rob West. That verse promises a blessing when we put our faith in God. But what exactly does that look like when it comes to investing? Luke Bolton joins us today to explore the heart of Christian investing. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time. Our guest is Luke Bolton. He's the executive for strategic relationships here at Kingdom Advisors, and he's really our go-to guy for understanding faith-based investing. Luke, it's a real privilege to have you on the program. Well, thanks, Rob. It's an honor to be here. Luke, I'd love for you to begin by telling us how you got involved with investing from a biblical perspective, because it's sort of the opposite experience of many other people in this space. Well, yeah. For, so for me, theology came first and then investing. Hmm. I, um, you see, I spent the first decade of my adult life studying biblical theology and was kind of imagining my career in teaching the Bible Yep. But God in his providence after seminary gave me a job in wealth management here at a broker dealer in St. Paul. And every day I was working with financial advisors and investment accounts. So I found myself asking the question, what does this have to do with theology? Right. And yeah, I mean, it took some time, but the Lord showed me that my training could actually apply in this you know, very good line of work. And so I started searching for the overlap between those two worlds, the biblical study world and the investment management space. And so now after working in this industry for about 10 years, um, I see it as part of my mission to help other believers see their investing through the lens of God's Word. Well, and we're so glad you found that overlap because you play a vital role in Kingdom Advisors and all the work that we're doing to serve God's people. You mentioned that lens of God's Word. If we look through a biblical lens, Luke, how does that change the way we see investing from your perspective? So as you know, Rob, God has revealed Himself through the Bible, and the message of the Bible is really about what God is doing, calling people to himself, reconciling them through faith and um, through repentance and faith to salvation. Obviously, this is a very different kind of book than your typical investing 101 type of a manual. That's right. And because scripture is really about what God is doing, calling people to himself in a new life, uh, I believe that the first impact of biblical faith on our investing is to ask, how we, as the investors, are relating to God. Hmm. And then to consider how our investment decisions also relate to God. So that that's really the first step, is to turn from seeing investing as this 
kind of purely numerical economic decision to actually seeing it as part of our walk with God and as an extension of our heart for worshiping him Hmm. and even an application of seeking to do his will. So whenever I meet people who want to be or to become faith-based investors, I just encourage them to start with a simple prayer and, and say something like, Lord, what is it that you are calling me to do with these resources entrusted to me? I want to do your will, whatever that might be. And so the most foundational issue isn't one of strategy, but one of worship. Are we investing with a heart that worships God, not money, and that honors Christ as our ultimate financial authority? And so if people start with that posture, I believe there are many, many ways that they can then do good and honor the Lord with their investing. Wow, that's really helpful, and I think a great foundation, Luke, for our conversation today. Well, folks, uh, just after the break, we'll continue this conversation and really talk about the way this heart for God can show up in your investing. We'll talk about what that looks like in terms of your investing choices, maybe even your investing toolbox, and really get practical on how you might apply your faith to your investments. We're talking today with Luke Bolton. Luke is executive for strategic relationships here at Kingdom Advisors, and he's our go-to guy for understanding faith-based investing as we take theology and a heart for God and the gospel and apply that to our deployment of capital and really developing our own convictions as believers. Much more to come with Luke Bolton just around the corner. Stick around. Forty-five thousand. That's how many times FaithFi referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking on the Find a CKA button on the homepage. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm joined today by my good friend Luke Bolton, Executive for Strategic Relationships at Kingdom Advisors, and we're talking about the heart of Christian investing. What does it look like to put our faith in God? And beyond that, what does it look like to apply that to our investments? Well, just before the break, uh, Luke was sharing how we can look through a biblical lens and allow that to change the way we see investing. And Luke, as we talk about this heart for God being expressed in our investments, what are some of the ways that can play itself out? Well, yeah. So it all begins with Genesis 1 and 2, where God is calling us to participate in the fruitfulness and the growth and the ongoing development of His world. So God creates us in His image and then instructs us to manage His world and to cultivate 
and to enlarge all the potential that he embedded into it. Hmm. Now, there are many, many ways people can do that, including our work, trade and business, through our relationships. But one way we can contribute to that development of God's world is through investing. Hmm. Uh, So if you look at it at a very high level, investing allows someone to contribute into a financial system that gathers what becomes a large amount of money for use by others. So it's this really fascinating activity that moves money from a person with excess capital to where it can be used by others, like companies, agencies, cities. And so I see investing as fundamentally a good thing. It's good for society, for business, often for the investors themselves and their families. And and I know there's a lot more to it than just that, but I would say that investing in general expresses certain aspects of God's will, such as making our excess resources available for use by others, as well as planning ahead for our own future financial needs. Yeah, that's, of course, really important. Uh, How else might this show up in the area of investing? Obviously, we don't live in Genesis 1 and 2 anymore. (laughs) And because of the fall and sin, investing is now not only a good thing, It's also a broken thing. And so we know some business projects are going to fail. Some investments are going to disappoint. Some businesses will make ungodly choices. And so this aspect calls Christ followers to a higher level of discernment and asking, how has this fundamentally good thing of investing been distorted by the fall and sin? Yeah. And so one impact of that is that some businesses simply will not be worth investing in from a spiritual or moral perspective. And all I'm trying to say here is that as Christians, we know that it's at least possible for a company to be so directly and fully dedicated to a harmful practice that no matter how profitable it may be, believers might want to avoid investing in it. Yeah, and I can certainly understand that. But avoidance isn't the only tool in the investing toolbox. There are other ways we can apply our faith. So perhaps you can share some of those. That's right. Uh, Nor is avoidance necessarily the most effective way for seeking change in our world. Hmm. And honestly, there are many, many gray areas where Christians will draw their lines in different places about what they might want to avoid. So I'm not talking about avoiding the majority of businesses out there just because of some political or personal difference or you don't like a policy here or there. What I'm talking about is that less common case where a business's primary product or service itself is something that is clearly against the stated will of God for his world. Yeah, that makes sense. So how else then might Christians apply their faith to their investing beyond avoidance? Yeah, so that's actually the third aspect. We've talked about the goodness aspect, the brokenness aspect, but there are also ways that investing can be redeemed. And I use that term redeemed to remind all of us that God has purposes at work in this world that are far greater than just restraining what is evil or judging sin. Because we see in the redemption story, God is demonstrating his love for this broken world by rescuing sinners and restoring what was broken and lost. We know that Christ came to seek and to save the lost. And so it's not just about purity or pulling back, but a redemptive approach to investing 
actually leans in to try to focus on achieving something restorative and good by our investing in this world. And so this approach to investing focuses on ways that we can show our love for our neighbor and actually that we want businesses to succeed that are serving the needs of society. So you might call it a purpose-driven investing approach Hmm. where you're supporting specific kinds of good endeavor. So for example, some faith-based funds focus on investing in companies that address real-world challenges like cybersecurity, supply chain resiliency, and healthcare solutions. Some focus on investing in causes like education and housing for low to moderate income families, business development in the neediest parts of the world, and clean energy solutions. And so those might be some examples of proactive investing in what we are for. Hmm. But Christ also came to call sinners to repentance. And Christian fund managers can actually use their platform to say something, to speak up in the markets for what is good and true with the companies that they interact with and that need to make a change. Some faith-based investment managers have worked in this area and have actually seen significant progress helping companies make positive policy changes. For example, some leverage their influence to try to bring an end to forced child labor, exploitation, and human trafficking around the world. So I would encourage investors to ask one last question, and that is, how might I invest in an even more Christ-like and redemptive way? Oh, that's really helpful, Luke. Well, I know you've helped clients and advisors with this. So what would you say are some of the most common misconceptions then about faith-based investing? Well, sure. I know that when I first heard about it, I thought, what is this, a marketing ploy to try to get money from Christians or something? Yeah. But uh, I, I, that actually drove me to take a very serious look at it and to interview the managers and to read the prospectus documents and to watch their financial results over time. And I became convinced that not only is this a longstanding Christian perspective on investing, but it's also just as robust and legitimate as any other public investments out there. These faith-based mutual funds and ETFs are fully regulated like every other fund and are openly reporting their risks, their strategies, their fees, and all that. So I personally am very impressed and grateful for the faith-based funds that partner with us here at Kingdom Advisors. Perhaps a second misconception is that faith-based investing is some kind of Christian legalism that people are trying to force others to do something with guilt. And I won't say that's never happened, but I would say that's that's an inappropriate way to talk about faith-based investing simply because this is a matter of discernment and the liberty we have in Christ. Obviously, it's not an obligation, but I would see it as an opportunity to express our love for Christ, for our neighbors, and for this world, and to do good works in his name. Just like in Ephesians 2.10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Wow, that's powerful and really helpful. We're going to have to leave it there. Luke, thanks for stopping by. We'll have to have you back real soon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, that's Luke Bolton, Executive for Strategic Relationships here at Kingdom Advisors and FaithFi. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Stick around.
As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions here in our final segment today. We'd love to hear from you. Let's head to Ohio. Hi, Britt. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I love the show. Well, thank um, you. I, I um, recently, um, I have two, two kids. One's two and one's five. And, and um, some family members uh, recently gave my wife and I $8,000 for each kid. So 16000 total. Um, I was just reading about a 529 plan today, and I, I read that, uh, you know, you can even roll that into, like, an IRA without tax penalty, I think starting in 2024 maybe. Um, right. Given that I don't know if my kids will go to college or if they'll, you know, go right into the trades, you know, when they're older, I don't, I don't know. Do you think I should just invest the 16 together in a CD right now, or, or do you, is there uh, – or would it be wise to maybe do a 529 and, and maybe just roll it to an IRA if they if they decide that they you know don't don't want to use that educational fund? Yeah, uh, you know I like Britt the the 529 plan, especially now that as long as it's been in there five years and as long as you don't go over the annual contribution limit, that you could uh, then move this out into a Roth IRA if it's unused. Of course, if they get scholarships and grants, you can take it out on a pro rata basis. But given the number of years that you have and where the market is right now and the fact that you should stand to do well, I think, over this period of time, uh, I like the idea that you'd get that growing, in a sense, tax-free um, and be able to have the full benefit of that, just given what college tuition inflation has looked like in the past. Now, I, I think, you know, college is going to look somewhat different when we get there 13 years from now, just given, you know, a lot of folks are going into micro degrees and, you know, education is changing with online and so forth. But, um, you know, as long as, uh, you know, folks can continue to access the um, federal student loan program, uh, these colleges have very little incentive to curb the prices. And I think it's going to continue to rise. Uh, They obviously have all these massive infrastructures and plants and buildings to maintain. That's very expensive. And so, you know, nothing's going to change quickly, although we're seeing other alternatives come into play. And, you know, I think it's just going to force uh, some innovation. And if there's a bit of a bubble there, we're going to see that exposed. At the same time, 
I like the idea that you could have it there, have it growing tax-free, be able to use it for educational expenses, get it out uh, if you need to for scholarships and grants, and then roll it to that Roth you know, if it doesn't get used, obviously that doesn't make it available for other purposes like, you know, being able to redirect it in the near term to, you know, buying a car or, you know, first, last and security on an apartment. Um, but it, it does allow it to be used to set them up and get them started for some long-term savings. So I think all things being equal, if you think the primary purpose is college, um, then I'd probably go ahead and take advantage of that 529 with this, this gift you've received. Great. Thank you so much for your help. All right, Britt. Thanks for calling today. We appreciate it. Uh, to Tuscaloosa. Hi, Michelle. Go right ahead. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling. Okay. My question is regarding, recently, my financial advisor told me I could take uh, distributions from my IRA and use them as qualified charitable distributions if it's sent directly from the IRA to the charity. Yeah. And he also mentioned that my church is included in that since I give a sizable contribution to my church yearly. Tell me, how, do, how is that done if you include the tithe, since the tithe is usually given at the time it is received? Yeah, yeah. How, how is yeah. that done to a church? Well, so let me just make sure I understand what you what you've got here. So you've got an IRA, and you've you're uh, of the age where you have required minimum distributions. Is that right? I am not of that age yet. But okay. My uh, financial advisor said I could use funds from that to reduce the amount. Go on and start giving charitable distributions yeah. from it. Okay. That what is your age currently? 71. Okay. Yeah. So as long as you're 70 and a half, you can use the qualified charitable distribution. Okay. So that is correct. And so you would do a transfer of up to $100,000 directly from that IRA to the charity or your church that you'd like to, and that will not be added to your adjusted gross income. They'll get the full amount of that distribution. And when you have an RMD requirement down the road, if you were to do it in that year, it would also either satisfy or be counted toward uh, your required minimum. Uh, now, your question was, how do you go about that given that you don't know your tithe essentially until you receive the income? Is that right? Well, you have an idea of what it is. Yeah. If you own pretty much a fixed income, you just right. about know what the tithe will be. So right. how do you give it in advance? Yeah, I mean, I think you certainly could. I mean, the the idea is you're giving a tenth of your increase uh, just as an act of worship, a way to acknowledge the Lord's provision in your life as a starting point for your giving. And yeah, I mean, you, unless you're on a, you know, you're somebody who's got a variable income, you can pretty much determine what is my income for the year. And then at some point during the year, you could go ahead and through the qualified charitable distribution, make the gift for the full amount for that calendar year uh, by way of the the distribution, and essentially that is in effect your tithe. I mean, I don't, you know, there's not any reason why it has to go monthly or it has to go weekly or anything like that. That you know, that's entirely up to you. And if you send that as one check based on the increase you're expecting to get for that year, uh, I think that's perfectly appropriate. 
Okay, that pretty much answers my question. I didn't know how you gave it in advance, if it was okay to give it in, in advance in anticipation of receiving oh, yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the other thing folks will do is if they're not doing it out of a qualified charitable distribution, they might use what's called a donor advised fund and they do what's called bunching where they may take a couple of years worth of giving, put it into a donor advised fund, which the large dollar amount puts it above their uh, their standard deduction. So now they get a, a bigger tax benefit because they're itemizing and then they just slowly dole it out, you know, out of the donor advised fund to their church or their, their charity. So that's another approach, um, you know, that's similar. But I think to your point, yeah, if you're wanting to do it out of the IRA to just continue to bring that balance down without having to add it to your adjusted gross income, essentially doing the same giving you would have done out of cash, um, you know, no, no reason why you can't do that uh, a bit in advance in anticipation of what you expect to receive as income for that full year. I hope that helps you, Michelle. Thank you for being on the program today. We appreciate it. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast, but tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.